we, we always went by our feeling like our gut, which is good to some degree, but I, you know, obviously feelings can only take you so far. Cause even now I'll be like, Oh, I felt like this. And then we'll look at the numbers and like, Oh, that's not accurately accurate with how I felt. Welcome to the booster boutique podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant turned boutique owner turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Booster Boutique Podcast. I'm excited for you to be here with me. It's Emily, and this interview today is so great. It's with one of my one-on-one clients who started working with me in February of 2021. So we are post-pandemic here. Um, And they called me and said, we want to make a million dollars this year. How do we do it? Can we do it? Is it possible? Look at our numbers. Help us. We know We have so much going well for us, but we just want to make that elusive million dollars. And so this episode is with Cupcake Couture. They are in Oregon. They have two stores and an online business, and they were able to double their revenue with me within one month of starting to work one-on-one with me. And that's no small feat. They were making good money before, and they were having $750,000 years before they hit me. Now we're on track to do a million plus, and we'll talk about that in the episode. I do want to let you know also that right now is a funny time for me because I actually am taking one-on-one clients. So if you've been wanting to work with me one-on-one, this is your opportunity. I've opened up three spots on my calendar for three month-long clients. So essentially, I'll work with you for three months starting in August 2021. You know, listen, I'm going to be honest, I work really well with boutiques that are pretty well established. So I want you to be at least making $25,000 a month or more for the past three months. That's kind of my minimum of people I work with. If you make more than that, fine, you know, but that's really sort of my cutoff on the bottom end. You're ready to zone in on the math the data, understanding how you can grow your business, not through social media, not through algorithms, through data and through what is actually happening with the numbers in your business. This is what my superpower is. The deal is you have to be ready to implement my buying plan. You have to be on board with the suggestions I make and the changes that I'm going to offer to you. Because if you can commit to those changes and really break down the barriers that have held you back from focusing on your numbers... I can literally change your business in three months. And what a better three months to do it than ramping up in fall and holiday season, okay? I do prefer that you're a Shopify Plus user. You know, we do use your actual data and reports from Shopify. That helps provide me with giving you a buying plan. Uh, I do a full business analysis. One-on-one working with me is going to change your life if you're in this position. So I want you to listen to what Cupcakes has to say. I didn't know them before they came to me in February. I'm going to be honest. I was like, who are these people? Uh, And, you know, they trusted me. I showed up and I was like, this is what we need to do. And they doubled their sales in one month without Facebook ads, without doing much different other than adjustments to their inventory, uh, 
well, we'll tell you about it in the episode. They're going to tell you what we did. It was not hard. Let's just say that. Okay. There were some changes, very specific changes. Um, but if you want to work with me one-on-one, if you want to be where Cupcakes is now, six months later, all you have to do is apply. So please fill out the application as much as possible. The more information I know about you, the better and the more excited I'll be to get on the phone and talk with you. Filling out the application doesn't commit you to anything. It just puts you in my system saying, are you a good fit? I don't want to work with someone that's not a good fit for me. And you don't want to work with me if you don't think I'm going to help you. So we want to be on the same page. Fill out that application. All you have to do is go to www.getrichretailer.com. Com. That'll pull up a Google form, fill out that form, and my team will get back to you within 48 hours to get on the phone with me. Like I said, I only have three spots. I have about five interviews this week. So if you want one of these spots, get on the list now. I will not be opening up one-on-one again, at least until 2022, because I'm having a baby at the end of this year. And I need some time to take care of her. So these are kind of my last two spots until next year, which is crazy to say. And, you know, I don't want to create scarcity, but if you've been waiting for an opportunity to come and dig in uh, with your numbers with me and really get some fantastic results, come and apply. I want to work with you. I want to help you. I want to be part of your team. So without further ado, let's just get into this interview. Once you listen to Cupcakes, they've been in business 12 years. Like, Listen to them. They are amazing. This interview is great. I can't wait to hear your feedback. So thanks for listening. I'll see you on the end of this episode. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Booster Boutique Podcast. I am thrilled for you to be here and share your story today. I know that this is going to be really valuable for every person listening because you guys have experience. (laughs) So why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your, your store. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Emily, for having us. I'm Sam. And then my sister-in-law, Sarah. Hello. We own Cupcake Couture. We've been in business for, well, it'll be 13 years this August. Um, So we opened in 2008. Yeah, when we opened, there was no Instagram, barely Facebook. Yeah, we're in a different world now. Barely Facebook, yeah. Uh, You guys are also in Oregon. Yes, we do have two stores now. So in 2008, we opened one tiny little brick and mortar and like 900 square feet Mm -hmm. in a small town. And that went through several ups and downs, tried a website here and there. Our July of 2019, we opened our second brick and mortar location, approximately just a little bit bigger, like maybe a 1200 square feet and, um, bigger town. Well, closer to a metro area. I mean, yeah. Okay. So you guys, so when you first opened your store, like the location where you were like, and you guys working together, like, how did you make those decisions? First of all, how did you guys decide to work together? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Sarah actually had moved back from, she was living in Baltimore. So she moved in with my husband and I, and we both just looked at each other, both hating our jobs, decided like, Hey, wouldn't it be fun to like own our own business? What is, so we like went downtown. We we're like, what does third street need? And it was like, Oh, there's no clothing stores around here. So we we're like, Ooh, we should open a clothing store. Hardly any retail experience. She had a little bit, I had none. Um, I worked at races as a manager. Yeah. If that counts. That, that's <laughs> yeah. really good. I mean, I'm she knew more than manager. I did. My dad's an entrepreneur. He's owned his own business for a long time. So I, we had that to help us at least like make a business plan. 
but basically we did it. We didn't always grow up being like, I want to own a boutique. It was more like, we just kind of fell into it. And as far as us working together, that just was a, we just fell into it. There was nothing like we got lucky. All I can say. I mean, we had no idea if we'd work well together or not. We just obviously like, liked each other. I mean, we were sister-in-laws and but we went to high school together too. I mean, we'd known each other for a really long time. So that's true. Sam had been pretty much in our family for a, a really long, time. long time. Yeah. And, and you so guys was, have like fought, you guys have like had fights and made up, but like you guys had gone through some ups and downs. So 100%, you like, okay. Yes. Especially, <laughs> especially earlier, yes. early on when we were just younger. I mean, we were young. I was 25 and she was 28 when we opened. So not only were we new to the business, we were still like growing up as people, you know? So I think the most fights would come around. Like I was not married and I had to support myself. And so I had another full-time job for, you know, I worked 40 plus hours a week for the first 10 years we were in business. And so she was really, you know, the face of the store and in the store every single day and really not taking a paycheck either. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, just doing all the grunt work and, doing the grinding and I just got to go on like the fun buying trips and stuff. So that was a struggle trying to compensation, I guess, and make sure that we were figuring it out fairly. Yeah, that was, I mean, I think that was probably the hardest thing. And that was earlier, earlier on. And, you know, luckily, like now that we're kind of in a better place and we're both now at the same spot, even, I guess you could say, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I finally had to quit my big job two years ago when we opened our second location. So yeah, it that, took a long time. Definitely that was huge. It's not, no. not an overnight thing. No. Especially when you're, if you're, when you're in business with someone else and you have to figure out how to pay two people versus just yourself. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and I think what you guys are also kind of touching on is that division of like labor and time and sweat equity, like who's doing what and how do you even like judge that? Because obviously like Sarah, you're working your full-time job, so you're doing as much as you can, mm-hmm. but Sam's probably doing 70% of the grunt work. Like, I mean, I'm making that up, but just time-wise, I mean, she's able to commit so much more time. Like, is that how you fell kind of into your natural where you are now? Because I do feel like, Sam, you do a lot of the, like, marketing, PR, like, sort of forward-facing stuff, creative direction, and Sarah, you are much more, like, analytical. You're, like, on me about the numbers. Do you feel like that has grown out of just sort of the original organic, like, setup of the store? Um, Yes and no. I think some of it, yes, but a lot of it is just based on what we are, our strengths are, and I think that's why, that's what makes us the most successful, is we are very different. Um, We have a lot of different strengths, and weaknesses and we lean into those and we know what those are and we trust each other with those. So I think that's why we're so successful. Cause we just like appreciate each other's strengths and even weaknesses. We're just like, yeah, that's not my thing. You know, although Sam being in the store in the beginning, she is so great with customers and can remember a face. Like, I mean, I can't remember anybody's name or face to save my life. Well, like, you're much better now. But. <laughs> I try, but she is just great with that. So she would just really develop that relationship with customers from the get-go since we were in a small town. Repeat customers, she'd be like, oh, hey, Mary. And she'd <laughs> maybe seen Mary one other time and just making the customers feel so special to the point that they returned. So it was just definitely invaluable that she was in the store working you know, daily those first several years that we were open. Um, and it wasn't me because I would have been not so nice and not remembered anybody. So about that. Um, so that's definitely more her strength. The creative side is her. And yes, me, I'm more like um 
let's get this organized. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know how we kept track of money. Like, did we even have QuickBooks for the first couple of years? I mean, I don't, well, we, we had, had, we had we a had POS to... system, but, but honestly, like the girls put their time cards on three by five cards. Okay. Like wrote in. like an index <laughs> card for a speech with me running the show. You can only imagine it was like, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if we did have someone working for us, they were probably an intern that way. I mean, we didn't really pay anyone. Yeah, I did. Yeah. We did get really smart and we used these interns from the local college and they worked for free. So that was the only way I got time off was these girls in there. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was great. What? We didn't have money to pay anyone, including me. So she doesn't like to do any type of book work, keep track of anything. No. Boo. Nothing like that. So mm-hmm. that is definitely where I can come in and get us a little bit more organized a lot more so there's definitely strengths that she has that I don't have and vice versa so it works yes. out really well yes you're also touching on the fact that like it was not perfect in the beginning and I find that so many women will stop themselves from opening a boutique because they think they need to have all the pieces and parts perfect and to be honest with you I think you got to just get it out there and get going and it sounds like that's kind of what you guys did you were like all right we can like figure out the basics and you've kind of been figuring it out on your own for 10 years? I mean, had you even hired a consultant or anything before me this year? No, and not to mention, if you tried to befriend any other boutique, they were just like, "Mm -mm." like, no, I mean, literally not one ounce of information, not to mention, like I said, we were back in 2008. The internet was not what it is now. Like even Google, I mean, there was nothing. And the boutiques that did exist, it was just super expensive. Like the game was completely different. I mean, this is back in the day, you guys. And if you're probably like under 34, you forget, you don't remember this, but there was like a time where it was like premium denim. It was all about like seven for all mankind and true religion and all these brands. And then the Michael stars tees. And that's really what you guys were selling was those premium, what probably $75 to 200 price point ish. Uh, not quite that, but yeah, definitely. I would say like over a hundred, like 50 to 125 probably. And then the jeans were almost like what, 200, but yeah, that's all we knew. Um, so we went and bought all these expensive brands and you know, their minimums are high. You don't get a lot for your money. So it's hard to fill your store. You know, the margins suck. Yeah. There's only a small amount of people that actually are going to spend that in a town that size. And you can't replant. I mean, you get your shipments once every three Three months. months. So you can't turn over your inventory very well. So Mm -hmm. your customers aren't coming in weekly to see, because they know you're not going to have anything new. So, and and it was hard to get those brands too. Oh, so hard. So we went to market the first time and we knew we had certain brands that we wanted to get for sure. Mm -hmm. And we tried to go there. So let's say like, what was one of the brands? Oh, Hudson jeans. We wanted to get Hudson jeans really bad. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. As a new business, we went in their showroom. They're like, they don't want to see what other brands you carry. They want to see, you know, what, what's going on in your store so that they can make sure that you're legit enough to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So they told us, no, we, we don't, you don't have enough other brands yet. You need to go see this, this brand, this brand, and this brand. It was like Rachel Pally, Rachel and, Pally like, and a few other random ones that were super expensive. So they're like, yeah. go write these and then come back. So we did. So we, we went, went and wrote them. them. We came back just so we could get those Hudson jeans. Walked across the hall. <laughs> wrote that stuff that was ridiculous. Wow. So you had to do that to get certain brands in your store. Um, and it's just a waste of money. And then it's like, yeah, it, it, it's sad. It didn't, it didn't sell. No, no, it was, I don't even know. How much would you say, because you're at the higher retail, you're obviously at the higher wholesale. 
what do you think about like your inventory investment was those first year, year two, you know, like startup, what were those like big orders where you're like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe it's going to get charged on my credit card right now. Well, here's the thing. We didn't have enough inventory. So the number might not sound that crazy. Cause we basically, we opened the store with $35,000 complete okay. like in total. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really slow. So, so we didn't actually, I mean, the store was so light. You would have laughed. Like, you know how, like now you like put your fingers between the hanger just to get the thing. It would be like, a ruler between the hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was a lot of space. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I would, I remember sitting at Michael stars yeah. and those appointments would take so long oh, and they had so many colors and Sam and I hate color and we hate right. pattern. Yeah. And, and so just trying to figure out what colors are we getting? What six colors do we have to get in this shirt yeah. in order to reach our minimum? <laughs> Yeah, that was so, so hard. Rough. But the those invoices were the worst for me. I remember thinking two thousand five hundred dollars in Michael Starr shirts. Yeah, like, for like no. seven shirts. Yeah, that's so, a lot. I, think, I mean, that's you could probably pack a small corner of your store with a full assortment of stuff for that much money. So yeah, on one item, that is a lot. It was rough. I mean, I don't know how people made it a lot. I, I guess I do know how people made it. They're in a different area. You, yeah. you really have to be in a certain area for that type of a store to work. And you have to have a lot of money up front to really stock it. And we didn't. So, yeah, I would say also um, a lot of those people probably had other sources of income from what I found. The big thing for you guys is that you really started on your own. Like you use your own money. Like you guys are a true like bootstrap, figure this out kind of success story, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we borrowed like what? 12 from my dad, 10 from your mom. And you got a loan for 13. Yeah. Like it was like, boom, boom. And that was all borrowed. I mean, we definitely paid it all back. We did, but no I mean, one we gave started. Us yeah, no, but we, we borrowed those. And, mm-hmm. um, Cause no bank is going to give us any kind of money. 13,000 <laughs> Sarah was able to get. And I'm like sitting there next to her at Bank of America. Like, well, okay. When we-? Yeah. They're like a 24 year old with no job. Uh, no, you guys are not getting a loan for clothes. Sorry. Yeah. But you guys are in a very similar spot to honestly, where I was with a business partner when I started out in 2011, they laughed at us when we wanted money. They were like, cool. So you're going to quit your job. And how are you going to repay this loan? Like it was actually easier to go to friends and family. Although it adds an element to your relationship with those people. Like, I do think that sometimes just putting on your big girl pants and like asking your aunt who has some money or your a cousin or something or a parent, if that's available to you, like, even if it's a couple thousand dollars, you know, it gets you off the ground. It gets you going so you can at least generate revenue. But banks, I mean, ever since 2008, banks just laugh at small businesses. They're like, huh, that's yeah, so cute. They, they want two years. They want, they want really nice revenue growth. So I commend you for just figuring it out. Yeah. We found our spot or we found ourselves at a spot, probably was it two years later where we were like, we have to close or we have to get more money from someone. Yeah. We even met with like a lady in the community who might want to like be an angel donor and like be a third party in our business. And we went over our business plan with her and her husband to see if they can invest. But it was literally like, we're closing our doors or someone has to give us money because we cannot get any more inventory and we have rent we have to pay. And it's, we need to figure something out Mm -hmm. now. And we had to really sit down and make the hard decision of, gosh, do we need to get rid of Michael stars? We need to get rid of these minimums. And Sam did so much research, like so much research on where are people, where are these like 
these other brands, like I, what the I less do expensive is brands. we where go to Nordstrom in the BP section and I would just yes. look at all the labels and I'm like, wait, yes. where is Lush? Where is, um, there was a couple of, I forget the brands and, um, I just could not find them. Cause again, Google, it wasn't the same. And there was no fashion really, go. There was no, no, fashion. no fashion. Let's be very clear. There was no fashion. Super hush hush about like, yep, you gotta like go to a area. show. You gotta go to LA. Like I had to go to fame to start. I don't think fashion go was a thing at first. I had to go to New York to a show, put down the money to like actually go meet brands. Yeah. And, and we, um, we had gone to magic a couple of times, but we didn't even know to go over to the other areas. Like we only would just go to our, uh, vendors when we went to magic and that was like a little bit later i guess but even then we didn't even know to really like go look at those brands that would lead you to those i mean this was gosh i can't remember but anyway long story short my grandparents ended up giving us um a loan we wrote it out like like a real loan mm-hmm. with and interest and we had to with we interest revamped our business plan because yep. you found we found we found the brand margins. oh i know what happened we were sitting there with our bb dakota rep and i'm like hey can you just please tell me where do I get this? Where do I go? She goes, Oh, that's Allie Brands. That's what Allie Brands. Mm-hmm. I go, What's an Allie brand? We're sitting there in LA. And I'm not kidding. We found that Mart when we went there the first time, we were like, Oh my an Allie brand. That's what she called it. That's what they called right, it. Like a back alley they no. because they were in the yeah, because yeah. they're literally like, like in back alley. Alley, kind of like yeah, yeah. We yes. like, huh? Yeah. So anyway, that was the whole, I mean, it took a while because it was a lot of like swallowing your pride and also, you know, scared to get rid of all those brands that we've worked so hard to get those name brands. Cause that was still a thing that drew people into your store. And we've worked so hard to get those and letting those go was a hard decision, but it was the best decision we ever made because it alleviated all this cash. And then we could start using it on these fashion go brands, which again, it wasn't even fashion go at the time. And when we started slowly doing that, we could fill our store up with so much more. The stuff was so much cheaper. I mean, it was like really a 180 plus that big cash influx from my grandparents. We redid the store. I mean, we just changed the whole thing. And from then on, it really just started to yeah, change. So you really had to hit rock bottom. We did. We, like. did. we <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to laugh, but in hindsight, I mean, I do think that so many business owners, period, not just boutique owners, you hit that rock bottom where you're like, I'm done or I got to just fight harder and figure it out. And I think that there's always that point. And sometimes it's pretty dramatic. Was it hard to go to another family member and be like, we have, like, we need you guys. Um, not too bad because I, I mean, I'm, I'm really have a really good relationship with my grandparents. Um, and they also in the past have kind of helped other family members with business type stuff, even my own parents, because my, like I said, my dad's an entrepreneur. So it wasn't really that weird. And plus I felt good about it because it was a real loan. It wasn't like they were just giving it to us. Yeah. With interest scheduled and stuff. And I, I think that they actually believed in they us. They did. They did. For whatever reason. But, I know. Uh, I know. it. And we just, we, we were still passionate about it and we had a plan. Like, yes. this is what we're going to do. And I did not I want to close. If this fails, then, you know, right. We but tried, yeah. but, but we were, and we felt a lot more confident once we found those new brands or margin builders. Yeah. I mean, it was a game changer. It really That's was great. I mean, it sounds like everything came together and I feel like, yeah, you're so lucky. My dad was the same way with me. He said, listen, we have money saved for retirement, but right now you're 
I think you're a better bet than the stock market. So, mm-hmm. you know, give me a good return on my money. And it was very generous, <laughs> um, yeah. but it, it really did help me. I, I actually bought my business out from my business partner. Oh. I borrowed a little extra money to sort of fund that, took my own 401k out. It was yeah. like, literally, you're just like stealing from Peter to pay Paul at, at a certain point too. You know what I mean? And I think that's one thing that can really break a boutique owner, business owner is when they don't realize that like the struggle is going to happen, but it's like how you react to it and how you sort of be a hustler. I mean, for lack of a better word, that's like, to me, that's what hustler like really means is like, you're not hurting people. You're just, you're really dedicated to figuring it out and like putting your own energy behind it. So it's cool to hear that you guys had that sort of rock bottom moment and had to make the big turnaround. So that, what year was that? That was, gosh, I want to say 2010, I think. Yeah, 2010. And I mean, it was kind of a slow climb, but we did finally, I mean, we really started hitting our stride. We just were getting better and better at everything. And it definitely wasn't overnight at all. But no, you know, a lot of us to maybe hire a couple more people in the store. So you could writing me a small paycheck, you know, just little things that kind of progressed. I mean, you've been building now for 10 years even yeah. before I met you. So two years of like the old model, mm-hmm. 10, yeah. 11 now years of this new model. And I know with COVID, you guys were closed and all that stuff. Was last year, 2020, one of your bigger years or was it before 2020? Actually, we had a good year last year. We didn't hit, you know, our, like a goal like we wanted, but um, looking back on it and also just how we felt when COVID hit was a really, I think a big thing for me to feel like I wasn't scared because our business felt is so robust now that I really felt like we're going to, we're going to make it through this. Cause at the end of the day, you know, Sarah and I can get lean if we need to with things like her and I can just do all the work if we needed to. I mean, and that's the nice thing about this business is you really can get control of your overhead if you need to, you know, I mean, you have some, you have your fixed costs, but then at the end of the day, you can, run it lean if you need to get through. You can slim down inventory really quickly and easily. If you keep your inventory intentionally kind of lean, which is how we've been working it with you guys where, you know, and we'll get into like how we work together. But I think one of the things that I've really wanted to continue with you is even though you're growing, I don't want you to overbuy because I want you to have free cash each month to chase into styles or reorder things that are really working and not feel like, oh my gosh, we've spent too much. We have to move. Oh, there's so much inventory. I would rather you be a little light by like that two and a half month mark because you guys buy every three months. If you're a little light by then, I'm kind of okay with it because, you know, we know you can always chase into a few styles or you can, you know, one thing you guys have been doing lately too is with the two stores is transferring inventory back and forth where you see a department or styles really selling out in one spot, you guys will just quickly make that transfer to cover for the other store. So I'm going to get really excited about inventory in a minute. Um, so <laughs> you guys came to me and it's funny. I have to be honest with you. I don't necessarily want to talk like big numbers, but I've been working through some data sets with my brother-in-law and I sent him your numbers because I had 2020 uh, to build your business analysis. He had Jan and Feb and I hadn't sent him since you started working with me really like mid February was when you started. And so I hadn't sent him March through now. And literally the other night I get a text from him being like, um, did cupcakes, that's how we refer to you guys. Did cupcakes, um, double their sales from February to March? 
or is it like a, did they like start off the year low or is it like a problem with my formula? Like, is there a glitch in literally my data set? And I was like, oh no, that's called the Emily factor. That's awesome. Isn't that Love crazy? It. But yeah. It's, yeah. you know, but really for you guys, the big deal, I think, I mean, I want to start this with an inventory conversation because the way you guys buy you every three months to LA, you spend a bunch of money and then you drip it out over the three months. And one of the big things we realized was that you just weren't covered in inventory departments that were good sellers for you. So you were like invest, you were kind of putting investments in the wrong categories, but I kind of want to know from your perspective too, when you came to me, did you think it was an inventory problem? Like when you came to me originally and you were like, we want to hit a million dollars this year. How did you guys think we were going to do it? Can I be honest with you? I didn't, there wasn't much. I thought, I thought we were doing it right. I just didn't understand why I'm like, wait, I feel like we're doing everything. Like I didn't. So there wasn't something that I was like, Oh, the only thing I thought was our numbers. Like I didn't think we were really getting deep into our numbers, but I didn't think you were going to tell us you're missing categories. Like I thought our bottom was pretty tight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we were spinning our wheels, like, you know, a hamster Mm -hmm. wheel, like, okay, everything's going well. Why aren't we growing more and more and more, you know? So something's missing, but we didn't know what was missing. We didn't have the knowledge to really dive into our numbers Mm -hmm. um, and, and look at reports and that kind of thing. So we were like, okay, well, we know that's our weakness. How, how do we hire someone to help us understand our numbers? Yeah. That's really what we were thinking. Like, oh, let's just, you know, maybe Emily can help us understand our numbers and then, and then we'll know how to get to a million, but we didn't realize all the other stuff Mm -hmm. that you were able to bring to the table. Oh, interesting. Okay. I like hearing that too, because (laughs) you're right. Because I do think for you guys in my head, when I describe how your transformation has like if I was to say, oh, hey, other boutique, this is how Cupcakes did it. To me, it was like inventory, like buying the right amounts in the right categories. It was having like a single launch day a week. I think that really changed your business. Yeah. Um, and I think just like, I feel like you guys really committed and doubled down to your social media that was working. You're like, we have a great Instagram following. Let's just go harder. And you know, to me, those are the big three. I know you guys are probably like, oh, there's 87 other things, but like, that's what really sticks out to me. Would you add anything to that list? I mean, those are the big ones. Did you say margins? You said margin. Oh, no, I didn't really actually talk about upping, yeah, upping our huge. price on some things. That was huge. Yeah. We weren't Especially doing your bestsellers. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember when we all first started talking, I was like, no, <laughs> I give Sam's like, I'm not two. raising the price on that. Uh-uh. And now <laughs> I was like, like, you guys, it's $2. Like I had $2, I had $4. I was not asking you much. Was I? No. And now I'm like, Sarah, what did you, did you mark that up enough? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so that really surprised liked. me. That my, was a big, and, and that was, that was right away. Like week one, this is what we need to do. You know, and your margin jumped, I think two points within a month or something insane. Yeah. Yeah, That was huge because it's like, we're working the same amount, but we're making just more money, which that's a no brainer. Having cash in the bank makes you feel safe too. And I feel like you guys were teetering on that line because your sales were good. I mean, you were doing 45, 50, you had great, great December, you know, you guys had great holidays and then you went into November or I'm sorry, January, Feb. And kind of dipped a little bit and probably felt it a lot, honestly, because your margins were not great and your sales 
they just shrunk a little bit for January, but mm-hmm. it probably was an inventory issue too. You probably didn't have enough inventory to support what you needed to going into January for both stores. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, we learned a ton. It's been crazy. Yeah. So in, yeah, we just didn't know how to dive into those kind of numbers. We, we always went by our feeling like our gut, which is good to some degree, but I, you know, obviously feelings can only take you so far. Cause even now I'll be like, Oh, I felt like this. And then we'll look at the numbers and like, Oh, that's not accurately accurate with how I felt. Yeah. And the emotion, I mean, listen, it's just like investing in the stock market. They always say like a machine should do it because people are emotional and they shouldn't take bets. I mean, every time you invest in inventory, you're gambling, right? Like you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to bet 50 grand for the next three months that this stuff sells. Like that's a lot of money that you guys were playing with. And I feel like, um, the process that you guys work too, in going to LA every three months, do you feel like you have an advantage over other stores because you do that? It's a mix. I mean, I think that like, we don't go to any big shows. We don't go to magic Atlanta or anything like that. And I think there are several stores that can go even more frequently than we can. I mean, we, we just started going four times a year when you quit your job. Yeah. Since we opened our second location, but before that we would only go twice, sometimes three times. Cause our, we have babies and you know, just life, we couldn't get there. So I do think that there are definitely stores that are able to go more often and we have kind of an unconventional way of doing it um, as far as buying three months in advance, like buying for the whole season while we're there. That's a lot of money that we put out, but we like it. And I think it works, works really us. well. Yeah. yeah. And you've helped us organize our numbers in a way that we can keep making that it work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably upped your number a lot more than you wanted to. I'm <laughs> no, like, I love oh. it. The weekly launch too was huge because it helped us get organized and have a plan and train our customer. And I don't know. I mean, it, it just works really well. Do you guys feel like you're on track to hit that million dollars this year? 100%. Yes, we will hit that. We and will hit it. Like, and yeah. then some, mm-hmm. I even think my projection says you could get close to 1.1. So that would I, be like a little, icing. that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. We'll take it. We'll take it. But yes. Uh, so, okay. If you were in a position where a new booty came to you, because I'm going to be honest, you're going to get some DMS, which please don't DM these guys. They're busy. They're moms. Leave them alone. Um, <laughs> what, what advice would you give new boutique owners who are maybe in either the rock bottom point you were at or the startup point, like looking back, I mean, your life is pretty chill. Now you get to hang out with your kids. You go on vacations. You're doing really well. Huh. Um, hard question. You know, I, it, it's hard because I think, you know, it depends on your level, your passion level. For me, I've, I've had a passion for this the whole time. And so for me, it's never hard to dig in when something's not going right and pivot. Um, I think you also have to look outside yourself and like, look at what's going on and be willing to change. I think a lot of people are not willing to change what they're doing. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. Just look, I mean, figure, look at what's going on, figure out what's not working and be willing to make changes and, and maybe a little bit of risk with that too. I mean, we've had to do that several times in the last 12 years, like even with COVID, you have to be okay. You have to be able to pivot because this business is forever changing and it's going to change again. 
And I think ask for help. There's so many resources now. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I know we said it a million times, but there's literally no resources for us. And other boutique owners were rude if we tried to ask them anything back in the day. And I think now it's more to a point, a community. And there's so many resources by just Googling or, you know, asking Emily or whatever, there's just so much help out there. So if you really want to do it Mm -hmm. and you're willing to make the change and put in the sacrifice Mm -hmm. and money and time, it's going to take all of that. Then there's resources for you to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like to me, it never felt like work. I would just dig in for hours and it was just because I had passion about it. So I feel like if you're passionate, you're not, you're going to be fine as long as you just like, you know, keep digging in. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, I think there's a lot of people who start a boutique and realize like it's way harder than they expected and the passion and you're right. Like finding the great resources, those two things will get you through if you, if you really want it, like, that's the other thing is like, you're kind of committing your life. You get 12 years. This is like a third of your life at this point, you've been running your boutique. That's significant. You know, I mean, do you guys imagine yourselves like being old and gray and running your, you know, boutique still? I think we have another 10 years in us and then our girls will be uh, they're in their teens. So either they start helping us because our fashion sense might be you know, dip in a little bit. Yeah, yikes. Or we go on to do other stuff together. I think we'll always have business together. I don't know yeah. if it's buying clothes for ladies forever, but I think we have another good 10 years in us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a plan that you need to help us with, Emily. But yeah. yeah, I mean, next five years, we have goals for the next five we years. We have other stuff we want after that. But yeah, I don't I don't think my buying will be as great in the next in 20 years as no. it is, is now. So no. we need probably need a backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and to be honest with you, I mean, I think you guys are really smart to say, okay, we've built this business. It's successful. Let's run it for 10 years. Now that it's like, to me, you guys are a very well-oiled machine and your cash flow is like just improving every single month. So great idea to take the cash and the wealth, you know, wealth that you're building really with this business and invest it in other things that, you know, you can diversify your income streams. And I mean, that's like such a high level conversation to have someone who's like brand new, but but you guys are at that point where it's like, yeah, maybe we, you know, I, you guys in a weird way, you remind me of the twins from unsellable houses that show on HGTV, they're twins and they go and they're really successful real estate agents and they go and they help people like renovate their house and then sell it for like this huge profit. But they're so pragmatic and they're so creative. It, you guys are like in weird parallel dreams to me. If you're talented, you can, and you know, you work together well with someone. I mean, to me, there's nothing you can't do once you've had a successful business. Yeah. That's, that's how we feel. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I should wrap up. We've been on forever. Thank you so, so much for joining. Everything you said is going to help someone for you guys to have lasted for 12 years. You're at the point now where you're like going to roll into that million dollar year. I can't wait to see what the next five years do because, oh my gosh, like there's nowhere to go, but up at this point. Yeah. We're excited too. And we just want to tell everybody hire Emily best thing you'll ever do. (laughs) Yes. No, it's, it's been great for sure. Um, we are so grateful and yeah, are just looking forward to see what, what we can do next. It's exciting. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show and sharing everything. 
If you've liked what you've heard today, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so more amazing boutique owners just like you can find it. Hopefully, I will see you in my other spaces and places on the internet, whether that is my YouTube channel, on Facebook, or on Instagram. I hope to see you somewhere else. Say hello when you see me there, and I'll see you next week.